Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast here tonight to preview the Clemson-Florida State game. Uh, we'll get into that and give you as good of an idea as to how we see Saturday playing out. As always, want to thank our sponsors, Tarpon Sellers, uh, the title sponsor of the Nolcast, tarponsellers.com is the website. Coupon code 20% off uh, for any purchase there using the coupon code Nolcast. And also want to thank our friends at Congruity. Uh, talked to Matt Lewis yesterday, bud. Have some exciting news to announce in the next couple episodes as far as a, another big Nolcast listener uh, bringing his group and organization over to Congruity. And that's one that they've been working on for a while. So again, Matt Lewis, fantastic addition for us. Would be great to uh, listen Great to have a phone call. Give them five minutes and figure out whether or not it's a good fit for you. So with that, we'll jump into the Clemson preview. Yeah, man, let's let's go ahead and do this thing. Uh, you know, Clemson comes in undefeated. The line currently is three and a half and the total sitting there about uh, what, 50, 51, I think, as, as we record. This is an interesting Clemson team. Um, they are a good team. I think you can make an argument that they are the fourth best team in the country or the fifth or the sixth or maybe the seventh or the eighth just kind of depends on, on your, your feeling on them. Computers see them a little bit differently though. Right? So if you look at like SP plus so far, they sit at 13th and I'm just going to tell you, if you line them all up and play some kind of tournament, I don't think I'm there's 12 other teams that I'm going to pick to beat these guys on, on, on a neutral site. But They've had some warts so far in their performance, a little bit on both sides of the ball, and they've also had quite a few good moments. So let's uh, we we try to make our previews a little bit shorter because we want people to be able to digest them. You know, even the morning of game day. Let's go ahead and get in here to some of this matchup uh, between the Clemson O and, and the Florida State defense. We'll jump into it absolutely, um, and I am interested in hearing as we get through this, bud, more your opinion as to why the computers don't see Clemson as maybe a human eye does right now. Um, you're our resident gambling expert. Be fascinated to hear how there's a line of three and a half on this game right now. That particularly with Clemson's health, uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but we've got about 30 minutes to, uh, review this. And then we can talk about that briefly at the end, but Clemson's O, um, when Florida state is on defense, uh, is where we'll start the conversation and the conversation probably needs to start at the quarterback. I mean, I've watched, uh, almost every snap that DJU's taken this year. Um, Georgia Tech DJU for the first three quarters looked like last year's DJU and uh, started to make a little bit of progress there and um, has kind of progressed since then, particularly had a nice Wake Forest game, which appeared to be a, a decent little jumping off point for him. Leads the nation in big time throws per uh, PFF. And um, I was listening to you yesterday and I believe you threw out a stat that he's what thrown like the third least likely to be intercepted balls in the country or something like that at this point in time. So kids made a, made a significant jump. Yeah. He's, he's making big time throws and he's not uh, making throws that have a chance to be intercepted, which is kind of generally good. It's like in baseball, like hitting home runs and, and not, <laughs> not striking out. Uh, it's really kind of a remarkable change. He seems much more comfortable in their offense and, you know, he actually threw the ball well in that opener against Georgia Tech. They just had five drops. I mean, if you look at his sort of uh, drop-adjusted accuracy, which we can do this with the Jordan, too, by the way, if, if you look at all the drops you had against NC State, um, it's really pretty damn good. Like, he's played extremely well. He looks a lot closer to what he looked like in that limited sample uh, against Notre Dame back during the COVID year. 
when Trevor was was out with, with COVID and then he had to come in and play and, and beat the Irish on the road. Looks a little bit closer to that guy that was the number one overall or number two overall uh, recruit in the country. I mean, just quite frankly, this guy's playing really well. Um, I If you want to nitpick, like, so look, they scored 30 on NC State. We, we, we saw what, what FSU did against those guys. Um, they scored 51 on Wake. Now, they went to overtime there, so you know, take a couple off. And honestly, last week, uh, they won and covered on the road, a three-touchdown spread at Boston College. But they only scored 31. They, they kind of sputtered around a little bit, I mean, to be frank here. Uh, is that somewhat excusable, given that you had like your two biggest games of the year so far, and then you have FSU on deck, that you have to go and play a roadie up there to uh, Chestnut Hill? And it was the Red Bandana game, of course. So not to besmirch the Red Bandana game, but... Those BC kids sure do seem to play pretty hard uh, during Seems that red bandana a thing. Little something in the air for the red. Even though they got smoked. Um, all right, so they you want you want to be jealous? The same offensive linemen have started all five games for them and finished mm-hmm. all five games. I mean they they have just had perfect injury luck up front. Uh, they've had an extremely good red zone offense. They are actually seventh in the country in points per opportunity, right? You remember that two weeks ago I described FSU's defense as bend and break as opposed to bend but don't break, like FSU's defense bends and then it breaks. Uh, That's largely continued. Uh, FSU is 110th in points per opportunity allowed. So seventh for Clemson's offense, one-tenth for FSU's defense. If that doesn't change, we're having a little sad instant reaction come Saturday night because they're going to get in the red zone enough and you, you got to find a way to force them to kick field goals. Their, their field goal kicker is really, really good. If I have to nitpick them some, they do drop the ball at times. Uh, they have held on to the ball like running pretty well. Like they haven't fumbled a ton. Uh, they do like they don't always play pitch and catch super well. So there is, I think there may be something there if you want to play sort of off a little bit uh, and make them complete passes potentially. Uh, maybe, but I mean, that kind of goes the whole idea of like, he hasn't been DJ has, as he's been able to hit tough throws. They're actually uh, number one in the nation in blitz down big play rate and number three in the nation in blitz down success rate. So, okay. Now we'll say this, the amount of sacks DJ takes is kind of high relative to the amount of pressure they give up. He will hold the ball. Like, so he's, he's looking to push the ball downfield. He's looking to make big throws. He will hold on to it some. So if you can get him to, to double clutch it a couple of times, maybe Verse can get over there. I think there's some I think there's some opportunities for you to have there. Um, they are starting a, a true freshman right tackle named Blake Miller. He's been on a bunch of highlight reels so far. Just like he mauled those NC State guys. He's kind of just a physical beast. But if you can get Jared Verse over him, potentially there's something there. And they have a really nice back in Will Shipley, who also catches the football well. He's somebody they're not afraid to uh, – to feed the ball to, and I'm, you know, interested to see how FSU will will attack him. I, I mean, I think you got to try to get like you got to hope you, your red zone defense turns around here, but or maybe you just light him up and, and hope that DJ doesn't uh, doesn't make some of those big throws that he's made, or that other guys don't don't catch the ball as well, you know, in uh, in contested area, but. This so far is a pretty good offense. It's not like an amazing offense, but it's – is it the best offense you've faced? 
it's either them or wake and then a huge gap. Right. Um, so I'd be surprised if they, if they don't score 28 plus. Yeah. Yeah. Shipley's a solid back uh, plus level speed, not going to uh, shake you out of your shoestrings as much as put, put his foot in the ground and get upfield. Um, DJU will occasionally throw a little bit of a sloppy ball, lead to an interception. You saw a couple throws against BC that would make you scratch your head. He's also, he's kind of reshaped his body. If you haven't seen him from last year, he's lost about 25 pounds or so. Um, let me see how I can say this. There's times where I watch DJU and I'm like, I just fully wish that you would accept the fact that you're like a power forward in basketball and just put your head down and go to the basket and not try to be a shooting guard that tries to like juke people or whatever, you know, just accept your physical gifts, put your shoulder down, pick up seven yards. Uh, there's times where this kid gets lit up in the uh, open field. Cause I think he just tries to do, he tries to be a, a more fluid athlete than maybe he is. kids gifted. I'm not, that's not meant to be a backhanded compliment. Uh, but there are some moments uh, in play where you can tag him pretty good. And, and uh, there's moments in the backfield where, You've got a chance for something like last year where you can, I'm not going to say you're, I don't know that we'll see another play where the defensive end strips the ball, picks it up, returns it for a touchdown or something like that. That's more video game type stuff. But uh, if you can get to him in the backfield, you can uh, impact him. But you're right. Offensive line has been decent. And a general theme that we're going to talk about here is that Clemson has been either fairly healthy throughout uh, at a position group or is getting people back at a position group that, you can now label them as healthy and available. And that's uh, certainly the case at offensive line. So, yeah, no, no doubt about it. I, I suspect they're going to try to run Shipley a lot in this game. I mean, that's what I would do. If you look at some of the rushing success that NC state had uh, last game, you, you obviously like FSU hasn't had Fabian love it for some weeks now. They haven't officially ruled him out, but I mean, like common sense here, you got a bye week coming up. You have a five game stretch after this, which is kind of tough. Uh, you know, so you got, you got that going on. Cooper had to leave the game. I mean, he's obviously been at practice and he's been racing Mike Norvell. So you would expect him to play. It's pretty well known on the broadcast that, uh, you know, Ray isn't healthy and, uh, you know, Briggs, not quite the player that you were uh, hoping for. So we'll see how well FSU can hold up on the front, uh, in, in, in run defense. But I, my guess here is Clemson does not want to come out and try to chuck the ball you know, 500 times, you know, they probably want to try to run it a, a decent bit. And uh, yeah, I, DJ has been a quality runner. I agree, but like, he doesn't always put the head down on the goal line. He seems to mm-hmm. like it, the, against NC state. He, he did. He is a big dude. I mean, he's on pace for what? 800 rushing yards. I mean, that's really, that's more than I would have thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's got, he's got what? 311 right now. So, you know, I mean, like granted, they won't run him in the, the uh, FCS game against, you know, they don't have an FCS game this year before before they play South Carolina. So, so no, he's not going to be on pace for 800. He, they've actually already – they don't yeah. have a bye week yet. It's their seventh game. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think they need, feel the need to do that as much with uh, with this iteration of South Carolina. But, uh, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what Florida State does with its safeties as to whether or not you can – or if you even need to stay in, uh, you know, some of the high – two high looks that, uh, that you have previously and how you may try to – support this defense against a little bit of a different run. Uh, one thing that you can always know that you will receive the uh, support that you need is for, from the legendary team 
of Chad and Shannon. 844-FSU-LOAN is the phone number. Again, 844-FSU-LOAN. More than 480 NOLCAST listeners have used these guys, which is a stat which is honestly silly, but there's a damn good reason as to why we have a silly stat associated with this sponsor. Best in the game, 844-FSU-LOAN. Big thanks to the legendary team of Chad and Shannon. All right, so I could see you having some success against this Clemson offense a, a little bit. Like, if Verse plays out of his mind, the, the linebackers play really well, you force them to do some high-variant stuff, maybe they don't make skied catches on you, uh, and you just, you're just you able to get them behind schedule a little bit. I, I could see some of that, right? They're, they're not a juggernaut offense. They're a good offense. They're a good college offense. I mean, maybe the best one you play all year. But they're not – like, this is not Ohio State that you're playing. They're just – they're just good. Not like, hey, Heisman winner type type stuff, most likely. I will say, if you do manage to get stops, um, they're 117th in punting efficiency. So, if like, every time you force Clemson to punt, you may be picking up more win probability than you expect. Like, they're, they've been surprisingly bad at punting this year. Now, they've only had 29 punts – on the season. So that's like what four and a half a game four, 4.75. Um, still that's, we're trying to find potential weak spots here. Like they're not the death star. They might be pretty damn good. Let's talk about the other side of the ball though. Cause this is where I'm a little bit uh, more hesitant to believe that FSU can actually do a lot. Yeah. And- it felt to me like you just spent the 35 seconds previously <laughs> to take us into what is the Death Star, uh, if there was in this game, which is Clemson's defense and a particularly a Clemson defense that appears to have more or less everybody back healthy. So, All right. So, you know, in, in Star Wars, if we're going to use the Death Star reference, when they shoot the, the missiles into the exhaust port and they blow up the Death Star, right? Like that's everybody, I assume, has seen Star Wars. No spoilers here. You, you may have missed your window, to hit that exhaust port and now you're you're sort of in this thing where you're flying around and the uh bad guys in star wars the empire uh, are going to chase you down because the exhaust port rotated away from you and you got to wait till that whole thing rotates around again that exhaust port i think was clemson's defensive injuries now they are a top 20 defense even with the fact that they had been extremely banged up in the secondary they were playing a linebacker at safety for a while they were playing a bunch of true freshmen against Wake Forest at corner and safety, uh, and they had to go out score people, and they were able to do so. But we we have some bad news for FSU fans here. It does appear that they are getting everybody or almost everybody back, and that's like five important dudes. You, you want to kind of run this down on who they're going to have available just based on practice reports and whatnot this week? Sure, absolutely. So uh, we'll – Linebacker, more or less, they're fine. So we're going to move uh, our focus to up front and then the secondary where they've particularly been dinged. Um, K.J. Henry, Thomas, Brzee, Davis, Murphy, Rook, Muscal, uh, pretty much everybody on that defensive line of note looks like they're available. Uh, practice reports and had a chance to talk to uh, David Hood of, uh, up at Clemson, David's covered Clemson for 20 years and as knowledgeable as possible. Uh, ease of the opinion that Venerables comes back from his moped incident. 
uh, this week and that Mickens and Sheridan Jones uh, will both be back. Uh, Mickens and Jones, uh, I believe Mickens is a safety, Jones is a cornerback. Um, getting those three back in the secondary is very significant for them as well. Uh, Mukoba, I believe how you pronounce that kid's name, saw a decent amount of snaps last week, I believe, for you to extrapolate that he's 100% for this weekend. Um, I, I would love to see find some more third stringers. They're going to have to run out there because injury, and that can be kind of the idea as to how you're going to have success here. Uh, but I think the secondary come Saturday is going to be uh, you know, if not 100% healthy, 85 to 90% healthy. And I don't know that some of the glaring injuries and uh, death chart penetration, uh, if you want to use such a phrase, is going to be there as far as how far they have to fall back on second and third string options. Yeah, they had like four or five pass interference flags against Wake Forest, against true freshmen. And those guys are not going to be playing against you. So the fact that they managed to stay a top 20 like opponent adjusted defense is pretty nuts. Uh, w- without those guys, but it does speak to the quality of the front that these dudes have. And I mean, here is one of my main concerns in this ball game. Uh, Xavier Thomas came back last week. Last week, just to test it out, he apparently is only going to line up on one side because the the foot feels better pushing off from the one side. But uh, he had six snaps, two sacks, and four pressures. So, luckily for FSU, that means that uh, he will be going against Robert Scott and not Jess Turner. Now, on the on the flip side. If they're lining him up over there, that means they're probably going to run Murphy uh, against Jazz, and that's a huge mismatch. Basically, any of Clemson's defensive linemen is somewhere between a mismatch and a huge mismatch against against Jazz. It just is. And, like, look, you didn't take Jazz to be a starter. You took him to be an emergency, and unfortunately, we are in a break-glass situation. So that sucks. Uh, Thomas is really talented, as we noted. Brzee coming back is one of the best defensive linemen in the ACC. We'll see how healthy he looks. Davis. Uh, you know, healthy enough to go and make an impact is again a really nice player for them. I, like rookie would probably be FSU's best interior defensive lineman if he was on their team, and he's a backup for Clemson. You know, Mascal is not a bad option for them. So, uh, they are there is real potential here that they can rush three and four most of the night and cause significant havoc while dropping seven and just. Jordan has not handled – nobody does. Like Danny Cannell pointed this out on cover three. We were talking about, oh, what if they get pressure with three or four and can drop seven or eight? He's like, well, nobody really handles that well, right? Yeah, like that's – That's, again, football math. There's there are not many quarterbacks that can deal yeah. with getting pressured with three and, and having to try to sort out eight on the other end. Um, the backers are studs too, unfortunately. Backers, backers are good to the point to where they're one of the three better units at the conference, and I feel like of the people that we need to t- – talk about oh they also i think have two future first round picks at linebacker as well so yeah they're good um to an extent this is this is true in almost every game i think it's exasperated this weekend i think you're going to be able to watch the first two or three series and have a good idea as to whether or not Florida state's going to be competitive in this game um i I hate to say stuff like that because obviously football's wild game things can change over time but yep it will become uh, very clear as to what they're trying to do and if they can do it with the most simplistic of numbers. And uh, if they can, it's just not a whole lot that you can work around with that. So um, it'd be interesting to see what Florida state draws up. I imagine they're going to have some slightly different looks uh, as oh, some sure. protections and things like that. Um, 
incorporation of tight ends that maybe you haven't seen previously. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, you have to do that. You can't, uh, you can't put, uh, you can't put this offensive line out on a metaphorical island uh, against this defensive line and expect that you're going to have any level of success. Well, I mean, okay, so I, I agree, but also, uh, do you think adding tight tight ends in here uh, helps? Because if you add more tight ends, that means Clemson can play more of its front players and its linebackers, which I think is what it wants to play, and not have to dip into the secondary quite as much as those guys who are back. But you know, who knows? Like they could be a little bit rusty. I, I mean, I think there's an argument for just sp- spreading this thing all the way out and letting Jordan run around and, and try to create some stuff being, you know, being kind of creative if you can in the run game. Although Clemson is by far the best defense in terms of not allowing explosive rushes that you you'll face all year. Like they, you don't hit big runs on Clemson's defense so far. Now Mike and company are very good at creating explosive plays. That's something they do. I think though that NC state and wake have purposely tried to take that away and just dared you to drive. And so really like, you're playing Meach or Washington, both of whom look dinged at, at guard. You got Scott coming back from injury. You got Jazz. You, you got, you know, I mean, Marie Smith's okay at center. Gibbons is your best lineman. You really think your guys can go on a, on a nine or 11 play drive and score a touchdown against us without false starting, without you know, uh, blowing an assignment, without just, I mean, that's mental errors, but like without just getting physically whipped and creating a tackle for loss. I think, I mean, if you're Clemson, you have all these guys back on the secondary, you do expect your defensive line to eat. How does Mike and company counteract that? Can Jordan be a good precision underneath passer if they decide to do that and take the short stuff? And can you run Clemson out of some of those looks that they might want to play? I, I'll i be interested. Or does, can Clemson help itself? Do they want to bring the blitz? Because honestly, like that may be your best shot. If Clemson wants to go aggressive, you you take the variance and hopefully that you actually hit. Yeah, um, I understand what you're saying about just spreading wide, and that may be what you say. And with every uh, offensive protector piece, that that makes the uh, you know it's slightly easier for them as far as how many they have to cover. I do think you'll see, uh, if not you know tight ends, uh, people that look an awful lot like H backs used uh, selectively to try to provide some support and to provide some support that a defensive line can't immediately uh, recognize where it, it's going to come from in, in some situations, how it's deployed. So um, it's an incredible challenge. Clemson's defense is very good. Uh, Clemson's defense is uh, – all right, let me rephrase that. Clemson's defense has been good to very good. Clemson's defense is probably going to be as healthy and uh, as you know similar to the unit that people projected coming out this year as uh, any game in this one. So – um, you know, maybe we're just making too much of this. Maybe there's a couple guys with injuries that are getting back that aren't fully 100% yeah. full speed. Uh, you know, maybe there's some success there. Just because everybody comes back doesn't mean that they're mentally ready. Um, we'll see. But on paper, I have a hard time finding a whole lot of success for Florida State's offense on Saturday night. I would agree with that. Um, I mean, like I, I do think Mike is a good offensive coach, and I think they're trying to make chicken salad here, given what you have right now. Um you're gonna need receivers to catch the balls, right? Like Johnny Wilson's track record over the course of his career, the bigger sample set is that he drops balls. You're gonna need him to play like the one game he's played where he caught everything and looked good, right? Not the majority of his career. You're gonna need Pittman to be in that sort of upper tier of of what he can do. Um, you know, you're gonna need 
like Jakai or somebody to hit an explosive play. Maybe, maybe, maybe one of these young kids who, who's pretty quick can give you something. Uh, how do you find a way to use Benson that maximizes his strengths while minimizing his weaknesses? And by weaknesses, I mean Benson is not a guy who's real good with people around his feet. He likes to build momentum, and that's just kind of how runners built like him do. It's not a personal preference. He can't change it. It's just his skill set and body type. How does he run if if you got guys around his feet? How do him and Philly pass protect? I, you know, we got good news on Trayshawn Ward that he's not going to be like out for an extended period of time, allegedly. So that's encouraging, right? But, um, you know, he was still in a sling on the sidelines. So it's not real great news. I don't know, man. Um, I think that you can score some points on Clemson. You will probably need Jordan to make some really special individual plays and for Clemson's DBs to be back, but not like back in form. Yep. Um, and this is a conversation that's outside of just Florida State's offense, Clemson's defense. You, I think if you're going to win this game, you're going to have to score a non-traditional touchdown or have oh, 100%. Sc- scoring yeah. opportunities set up via that. So you're going to need a pick six. You're going to need a drop punt. You're going to need something to where Clemson contributes probably 10 points to your efforts, uh, maybe more. Yeah. So uh, Saturday night environment, fun time. Crazy things happen in college football. Crowd can certainly have an impact. Um, and you're just going to have to start to see some of that. And if you do, then, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe we all look at each other at halftime and it's 13 to 6 Florida State or something like that. And you think, well, this offense is struggling. DJU's looked a little bit more like last year's DJU. Yeah, we got a chance at this. We got a real chance at this. And it'll be interesting to see for me, bud, as to if you change your game plan with Jordan at all as the game develops. Like, okay, if it's the third quarter and we're eight minutes in the third quarter and you got a legitimate chance to win this thing, um, I'm fine running Jordan, you know, not damn near every play or something like that. But dig into the design Jordan run as much as possible. Cut it loose for 25 minutes of gameplay. See where you can get through. And you got next week's bye week to lean on. And uh, it, it will just be interesting as to where Florida State finds itself in kind of the midway point in this game. And if it uh, can really kind of empty the clip, as we've said, with the idea that you get, you know, 13 days till you have to play Georgia Tech. So that makes sense. I mean, so last year, right, you had uh, 240 yards total. 75 yards came on that on that play to, to a Philly down the sideline right where he makes an amazing catch and then literally like as they're tussling like he rolls over on the defender and isn't down and gets up and runs the rest of the way and jermaine Um, turned the sliders down to easy and uh yes and acted like a acted like a video game player so uh yeah well let's see if you got somebody like that you were you were 4.3 yards of play with that crazy i don't want to call it fluky but crazy to a Philly play. Without that, I mean, you were 2.2. Is Clemson's defense worse than it was last year? I think so. Yeah. But they've still been top 20 without these guys. What we don't, what the unknowable is how much better are they with these dudes back? Certainly somewhat better, I would think. Uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe not all the way better. How much is your offense better? I, I think it is better, right? Uh, maybe not as much as you'd hope due to the injuries, but it's I think it's better. 
All right, man. Uh, if you want to shift our focus towards uh, recruiting, we'll come back to the prediction. We're not leaving the game, but uh, part of Saturday night is how many kids that you uh, are bringing into town and some really interesting names that have been added to this list, list uh, even over the last 24 hours or so. But if we're talking about going to Tallahassee and having a great time, uh, there's no better partner for us to talk about than the great people at Charlie Park. Uh, Friday night up there, Tallahassee's great best rooftop bar. Uh, really just kind of an oasis of sorts when you get up there. Incredible uh, look over Cascade Park there. Wonderful cocktails. Uh, the old-fashioned is brilliant. And Sunday morning is their grazing brunch that uh, we cannot recommend highly enough. Do recommend uh, recommendations in general for Charlie Park, whether it be Friday night, whether it be a Sunday brunch. Uh, that's a that's more a place that you want to look into that. Uh, but fantastic place. One of Bud and I's. Uh, stops that we always make in Tallahassee, at least always make over the last three years since it's been available to us. And uh, it is something that we're very fortunate to be able to talk about. No doubt, man. Awesome place to hit up. And I know a lot of our listeners do. Let's go ahead and talk about some recruits coming into town. Uh, first, I want to talk about here are uh, Rod Kearney and Falk, your two commits, who were initially going to visit elsewhere this weekend. Uh, Kearney at Florida for the LSU game and Falk for uh, Tennessee for the Alabama game. And ultimately, it looks like FSU has both of these kids visiting now. At least that's the last word that I got from my sources over there. So uh, those are good wins. Um, I think with Falk, FSU remains in, in a good position, but they know like that is a guy that they feel uh, is good, maybe even a little bit better than his rating. And although he you know, keeps getting bumps, so uh, that they know that they'll likely have battles down the stretch for, for him. Uh, but it is a good sign that they were able to fight off Tennessee, at least for this visit, uh, you know, with, with, with Rod, um, he continues to visit UF or at least talk about it. And we'll see where that one goes. I, I think, uh, I think FSU is also making, uh, like they're not without backup plans there or without, I mean, we want to call them backup plans with, without, you know, kind of one, a one B type stuff there. Um, they also bring in Blake Nicholson, um, linebacker, I believe is, is coming. At least I was told he was. Um, that's obviously a big time guy to have come in again. You know, your best linebacker prospect you have committed, I think, by a lot, and somebody who will probably need to play early on in his career. So that's big. Um, I know they're trying to get Lucas Simmons up. I haven't actually heard confirmation on that, but I assume that he will. I mean, like he, he's an in-state kid. It's, it should be a beautiful weekend. In Tallahassee, weather-wise, I know Hakeem is coming up. Um, Lamont Green, uh, I believe Goldie Lawrence from over here by me in Orlando is coming up as well. So as far as kids who are committed to them, that's actually a really, really pretty nice list. And I know they're looking to bring in, uh, you know, two big-time offensive linemen this weekend as well. And I, I actually, I saw Zach Blostein had, had a, a nice scoop this morning uh, on uh, on one of these kids. So I believe we're talking about Zachariah Owens. Uh if I'm not mistaken. So Owens is a interesting name to discuss this week of all. Um, ironically enough, a kid that uh, as of what last night was labeled a, a Clemson commit and, and now appears to be uh, decommitted. Uh, Clemson has a little bit of a policy similar to Paul Johnson from like five or 10 years ago. If you guys remember that where like, if you're committed, you're not really visiting other places. So uh, when you hear about a kid start to look at visits, that's committed to Clemson figuring that he's going to be decommitted and um, the near future is not all that large of an extrapolation, but a 
what a top 200 offensive lineman, uh, a, a quality yeah. prospect. Uh, so it would be a really significant get up here um, out of Metro Atlanta area. Southside uh, actually played uh, played high school ball with the Estes kid, if I recall correctly. I think he's a Eagles Landing Christian uh, player. So uh, McDonough, Georgia, which is uh, just you know 20, 30 minutes south of Atlanta here for a uh, perspective there and a really talented kid that would be a significant get for Florida State. They're also uh, they're also looking at DJ Chester in on campus this weekend. Another offensive lineman from Georgia, so just another guy to watch there. Big time kid as well, and uh, I, you know, just some other rumblings here. I I know he's committed to Texas, but like, hey, uh, Texas Iowa State this weekend. Maybe maybe uh, Cedric Baxter could slide on over this weekend. We'll have to see. That would be yeah. uh be a big time get one time FSU commit long time ago. Uh, as I think I shared on this show, like we had asked him what uh like who he had committed to, and he didn't really remember the coaches who he committed to. So it was a long, long time ago. Safe to say, like not tremendous bonds had been formed there by the time he had decommitted uh over a year ago. But uh I mean five star type running back who's really damn good, and that would be uh, that'd be impressive. But a nice visitor list again. I think it is good that FSU is not going nuts in the high school circuit, even though it potentially could if it wanted to. I just think uh, they're going to need to keep the momentum running and, and keep playing the portal game a little bit uh, next year as well. So, yeah, man, uh, exciting recruiting news. So uh, let me see here. Very exciting we... recruiting news. And Cedric Baxter uh, would be incredible. Uh, ironically enough to what you said, uh, David Hood told me a, very similar story about Dalvin Cook when he was committed to Clemson, that he interviewed him at one point and asked him like what he thought about Clemson's running back coach and the relationship that he said. And Dalvin was like, yeah, I can't really remember Clemson's running back coach right now. Uh, and Hood promptly extrapolated. The kid probably wasn't going to be signing with Clemson ultimately. And then Dalvin was kind enough to commit to Florida before ultimately coming to uh, Florida State. And anytime the Nolcast can get a chance to talk about Dalvin Cook, we will do so. So that's a, a nice um, little walk down memory lane. I do recall being at the state title game after Dalvin and Central had beaten, I think it was Armwood that year. They played for a couple. And uh, remember Joe Yearby too, his, his teammate? Mm -hmm. Pr pretty good high school back. Uh, but there was this one Florida writer, and he still works in the Florida space, not, not for us at 24-7. And he just kept asking Dalvin all these questions about Florida. And I felt like everybody else in the media scrum knew that this kid was not going to Florida. Like it was just, it wasn't happening. We all kind of knew what was going on. And I wouldn't, we weren't sure like if this guy either didn't know or just wanted to make sure he could file an expense report or something like that. So he went ahead and like kind of justify your existence or if he was trying to troll Dalvin or it was just, it was very odd. He's like, so how's your relationship with, uh, was it McElwain or, or uh, no, it wasn't McElwain. It was, had to be Muschamp back then, right? I, I would yep. think. I think uh, just like just probably a good five or six minutes in a row of, of UF questions. Like, does, does he not know? Like, <laughs> I mean, guys, we've been talking about this in a press box for like, a, like three hours during this game. It was, uh, it was kind of wild anyway. Um, prize picks, prize picks, dog. Absolutely. So as always, we'll remind you the coupon code. No will get you the initial uh, deposit back uh, match so you know deposit 50 get an additional 50 and uh also want to uh before we get to the 
Florida State specific numbers and some broader college football discussion. I want to tell you guys about a free square that they're offering up to celebrate the beginning of NBA season, similar to uh, a couple weeks ago where they offered you a, what, a 0.5 throwing yards for Tom Brady or something like that. Uh, You've got a 0.5 points uh, for Steph Curry. And I believe that is for a game on Tuesday. So if you are a basketball fan uh, and just somebody that's eager for the NBA to return back in our lives, whether it be for your personal enjoyment or sporting enjoyment, uh, know that there is a free pick available out there and uh, something that's always nice to use to try to cobble together with a couple other picks that you feel comfortable about and see if you can't see if you can't grab one a little bit easier than you might be able to otherwise. Love it, man. Uh, so promo code NOLCAST gets your 100% deposit match bonus. Uh, a lot of you have already started doing this, and you guys tweet us your wins every week, and uh, obviously you're playing responsibly, but it is really fun to play. You just pick your favorite players uh, or whoever you think will do well that weekend, whether they will have more or less than whatever the uh, you know set number is, whether it's touchdowns or passing yards or, or what have you. Pick a couple of your favorite players and, and uh, go more or less on them. And uh, yeah, we have been killing it so far. So that is also good, right? <laughs> um, let's uh, let's run through a That's couple of picks I have for this weekend, if you want to. Um, do, you, do you? Well, let's let's do the FSU ones first. For sure. Yeah. Uh, let me pull these up. I had the Clemson ones. Uh, look, there's nothing. <clears throat> is there something that immediately jumps out to you here? But I mean, I like Jordan's. Fantasy score is 16 and a half. That's not a whole lot to ask of somebody, particularly like if you don't think he's going to get sacked a ton. Uh, I think you can count on, you know, Jordan picking you up two or three points with his legs. And then you're yeah. looking at, can he throw a touchdown? You know, can he get 150 yards thrown in a touchdown? Eh, that's that's not a insurmountable score, even as pessimistic as Bud and I were 10 or 15 minutes ago when we were particularly looking at the offense. So from a Florida State perspective, that is probably what I would immediately look at. I also like that you have a relatively low catch number on Johnny Wilson, a three and a half. I don't know that I'd play that, but those would be probably my favorite two of uh, of the Florida State specific part of this card. I, I would agree. Um, so if you look at this, right, Jordan, uh, I, I, I like the Jordan fantasy number uh, over for sure. Um, at 16 and a half. I also, I mean, I, I like Jordan over 18 and a half completions, honestly here. So with the absence of Ward, I, do you think FSU thinks it can run the ball? Cause I mean, maybe they do think that, but I'm skeptical that they can. What do they substitute that with? Just common sense to me says screens. If they throw three or four more screens than normal, those are past completions that you'll be getting credit for. Mm-hmm. The games, the game script on this suggests that you are going to be down, and that's not me being a hater. It's just like, look, he had he had twenty against LSU, right? He had thirteen in about twenty minutes against Louisville. Uh, he had sixteen against Boston College, and you were up big, so you kind of got game scripted out of that, right? Uh, 23 against Wake Forest. And then last week, 15 against NC State. That's sort of the outlier. If this goes like NC State, then then you lose this one. But if not, I, I think 18 and a half could be kind of cheap. I, I, I agree with you, though, on the fantasy points there, too. I mean, basically like one rushing touchdown or two passing touchdowns really gets you there. 
uh, with, mm-hmm. with him. And I think this is also sort of, okay, if Ward's not in, are they are they bensoning more on the goal line? Are they throwing more down in, in, in the low red zone? What what are you what are you doing there? Uh, yeah. On the other side, Clemson. I like the kicker number like here, bud. That's what I wanted to ask you. One and a half field goals. Uh, I would potentially take the over there. Uh, this for is Clemson? for this is BT Potter's number of one and a half. Yeah, Clemson field goals. Um, uh, yeah, that that's a, a number that I would potentially put on my card. I mean, their kicker has been extremely good. He's a very good kicker. Uh, so I, I could see that working out quite a bit, actually. Yeah, I mean, he is uh, he is 8 of 8 on field goals under 40 yards, and he is actually 3 of 5 on field goals of 40-plus. So, yeah, I, I could see – I mean, granted, we, look, at some point these numbers have to regress, okay? Do we really think Clemson is a top-7 team in the nation in terms of converting to touchdowns in the red zone? Do we really think – and look – I'm not the biggest fan of Adam Fuller's defense, uh, given like his recruiting ability. I think you need to get more out of the defense, right? Just for being at a school like FSU. But even me, who apparently people think is an Adam Fuller hater, which I'm not, I don't think. I think they're going to have positive regression in terms of getting some red zone stops at some point. I don't expect Clemson to be perfect in the red zone. Um, I also think they're going to see, like, look, man, Wake ran the ball on FSU. Louisville actually had decent success rushing the ball with, with their running backs on FSU at times, right? Uh, NC State had some success at times, especially coming out of the half there. They also like to throw the ball to Will Shipley quite a bit underneath. And if you play a lot of that drop coverage, maybe don't break. I mean, I think Will Shipley fantasy score, if you think about this, right? If he gets 70 rushing yards, 20 pass, 20 passing yards, that's nine points. Two catches gets you to eleven, and one touchdown gets you to sixteen. Yeah, it, it's I don't for that reason. Crazy. I like the Shipley rush rush and receiving play. Uh, that's relatively low on that, in my opinion. So, what, uh, uh, what what's was, our number at there? Uh, uh, was it eighty? Let me see. Oh, eighty four and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What like so. one explosive play kind of gets you there with that? I agree. That that's a good oh. one too. Um, let me see. I. You're like, I don't think I would take DJ over 20 and a half completions. Like, he might get there, but maybe not. Um, and his rushing yards seem, do we, yeah, like 50 and a half rushing yards for DJ. I don't know, man. Like, you, if you get one or two big sacks, that's that's tough. I, I don't think I would go, I, I might actually go under on those rushing yards from DJ, mm-hmm. even though like you have had some QBs run the ball on you this year, some, but not a ton. I mean, Daniels mostly scrambles. Cunningham is a different type of runner than DJ is. So, yeah. All right. Um, what do you want to, uh, what do you want to got a couple of national ticket plays. Uh, I've yeah, only got one should. that I looked at that I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. All right. So, um, I think Clifford, uh, over completion 16 and a half. I don't think Michigan's going to let you just run the ball over them. And uh, Brenton Strange is Clifford's tight end, so over three. Your catches. internet chopped for just a second there. Oh, apologies. Uh, okay. You got me now. Will you will you repeat right. your first one? Sure. So yeah. Clifford over sixteen and a half uh, pass res- or uh, pass completions for Penn State, and I think you could pair that with his mm-hmm. tight end over three. Brenton Strange. Um, let me see here. You could probably do Jackson Dart fantasy score over nineteen. For Old Miss, I I just think they'll be, mm-hmm. like I think they can move the ball some. 
on Auburn. Uh, I I actually think this is a good a good one to pair. So uh, Luke Grimm is a receiver for Kansas, and then Jason Bean is the Kansas backup quarterback. If you look at the targets of when Bean came into the game last week in relief of Jalen Daniels, like he threw the ball to Lucas Grimm a ton. So hmm. okay, it just seems like that's somebody he trusts, maybe from his work on scout team or whatever. So I, I, would, I would look a couple of those. And man, I still think like there's some chance that like the Quinn Ewers and Worthy stuff is is maybe underpriced by like a point or two. Mm-hmm. They're just too explosive, and I, I trust Sark to scheme guys open normally. If you're uh, not familiar with a kid called uh, Shevin Cordero, uh, out. Oh, of, I'm very familiar. Uh, yeah, I know you are, bud. And if our our broader listenership Sorry. isn't kid out of San Jose, as I've become Ingram of the Mountain West, stay up till two o'clock in the morning conference. Uh, a player that I've been particularly impressed with. Uh, I would take a look at him. I like his fantasy score of 23 and a half. If you're not familiar with San Jose State's quarterback, which I certainly don't blame you, a uh, kid that can get it done in the air and a kid that lo- loves to keep on the zone read and grab you some uh, points with his legs and is not shy about trying to get a touchdown uh, next to his name using his legs either. I'm a, uh, 23 and a half if you can get a quarterback to give you a rushing touchdown and 30 or 40 uh, yards that gets you there pretty quickly. So uh, somebody that I'm looking at, we'll uh, talk later on tonight and tomorrow and get you guys out the uh, the vaunted Nolcast tweet. Uh, like I said last week, I think we went eight for nine or only sort of 10 suggestions, but I think we had one on both cards. So that was a particularly good week for me, and it carried out throughout the rest of the weekend. So uh, we'll hope for something similar. I ain't going to promise you that we're going to hit it 90%. Uh, but we do take this seriously, bounce some ideas off of each other, and try to give you guys a, a couple suggestions as to what you can build your card around. Thanks to all our sponsors for supporting us, of course. Uh, if you want to use that promo code NOLCAST and get that uh, 100% deposit match up to $100. All right, man, it's it's predictions time. I I don't know. Like I could see FSU winning, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I have a hard time as well. I just don't see where the where the points are going to come from, uh, and if you can keep them low enough, I I I think something like Clemson twenty eight, Florida State twenty one is kind of where I am with this this weekend. Oh, I uh, I I have thirty four twenty three as far as on my spreadsheet. That's I'll I'll go like I don't know thirty one twenty one. More touchdowns and field goals, I guess, but like. We, we do need Clemson's kid to kick two field goals. Yeah, that's true. If we go there, it was just one that caught our eye. But, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll be back with an instant reaction. Hopefully it is a surprising and uh, victorious Winston reaction. Uh, but we'll be with you Saturday night one way or another. And uh, thank you always for your support and uh, allowing two guys to talk about Florida State football for 12 or 13 years. That's pretty awesome. But uh, we'll keep doing it. And we'll keep doing it next time on Saturday and talk to you then. Appreciate it. See you, bye.